1: Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast uh, on a Thursday, a preview edition. We're week 14. I can't believe we're 14 weeks into the 2023 journey, but here we are in the Texans sitting at 7 and 5, tied with three other teams in the wild card race in the AFC. Um, one of those teams is not their opponent. The New York Jets are very much out of it right now. They're 4 and 8 on the season, but that is the opponent. On Sunday in New York, for the first time in about a month, the Texans will be hitting the road for an NFL football game, and we'll preview it in this episode. Welcome in. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. mornings. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, live from his dining room, John McClain. And, um, John, you and I were just talking before we went on air. Um, And we're going to dig into this game a little bit more, but I think you and I are feeling the same about this game right now, which is appropriately worried due to whether the Texans inability to run the football and the worry that you and I have has been reflected in the betting line on this game, which opened at six and a half, got up to seven at one point, and now is all the way down to three and a half for the, uh, the Texans favored in this game.
2: I think it's because people look at the Texans' running game and they see how pathetic it's been other than those two games with uh, Devin Singletary. And when it's raining and it's windy and that stadium can be very windy, um, that's going to hurt a passing game. Should hurt a passing game. And so the conditions are not going to be good. And plus, the Jets got a great defense. But the one thing they don't do well is stop the run. But you know what? They just played Denver, the worst front defense in the league, and they couldn't run on them either. So – uh, it it it's weird saying an upset Texans could be upset on the road. I can't remember the last time I said that.
1: Uh, yeah. They haven't been road favorites very much over the last few years. That's for sure. Um, so we'll dig more into the game, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm, con- I'm concerned about this game uh, for sure. Uh, for a variety of reasons. We'll do that in the six pack shortly here on this episode of the podcast, I guess, John, just to start off, let's get into a few um, kind of news notes, things going on with the Texans right now. Um, Good news, Derek Stingley Jr., the fourth Houston Texan, fourth right there, there we go, um, uh, to win Player of the Week award. Derek Stingley Jr., AFC Defensive Player of the Week, on the heels of his two-interception performance against the Denver Broncos on uh, Sunday. Both interceptions came in the second half. I thought both came at huge junctures in the game, with the Broncos looking to take the lead. It was a one-score game. In both instances, 16 to 10 when he intercepted his first pass. And then when he made the, the interception that's getting replayed all over the place, the one where he closed all that ground on Cortland Sutton and made that lunging interception on a deep ball. Uh, the score is 22-17 at the time, and it was the fourth quarter. So Stingley joins Blake Cashman, C.J. Stroud, and Devin Singletary as Player of the Week winners. John, what did you think of Stingley winning Player of the Week this week?
2: I bet it was a hard decision over Will Anderson jr. Cause Will Anderson jr. Had a stat line that only two players in history have had. And one of them was JJ watt, but Stingley took the ball away. That first interception that was created by Will Anderson jr. Tipping the uh, Russell Wilson's pass came when he was on his knees. The second one came when he was flying through the air, like a acrobat high wire act. And, uh, and he was great. There's a stat that uh, Next Generation Stats has called Hawk something about getting your hands on a ball. And he's gotten his hands on 50% of the passes thrown to the guy he's covering. And this game with uh, Sauce Gardner, who last year, while Stingley was languishing on the bench with a hamstring injury for the last nine games, Sauce Gardner got all kinds of attention, was voted. National Football League, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Even though they're not on the same side of the ball and won't be going against each other, it's still going to see interesting to watch and see which one of those guys has the best game. And even though Stingley will never say it, you know it means a lot to him.
1: It would have been interesting if Tank Dell were out there to see how they would have used Sauce Gardner. I think now it's pretty evident, like Sauce Gardner is probably going to be on Nico Collins for this game, I would guess. Uh, I, I mean, I don't... I haven't watched every snap of Jets football this year to know what else is in the secondary, other than to know that Sauce Gardner is their best player in that secondary. So that would have been interesting to see how Sauce would have been deployed if you have what essentially are the two number one wide receivers for the Texans, Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Instead, I think he's he's probably going to follow Nico Collins around. Well, guess. I'm
2: curious, does he follow the top receiver everywhere? Or does he stay on sides?
1: That's a good question. I'm not sure. Because a lot yeah, of these
2: great good... corners don't follow them all over the field early in their career. And uh, tank would have made a difference, but uh, if indeed he stays on his side, then I would put Nico Collins on the other side. But he's no. going to get double that way. Uh, Nico's going to get a lot more attention. But you want to be recognized as a great receiver, you got to put up with it, like Andre Johnson did in his career, and DeAndre Hopkins did in his career. So I can't see what I can't wait to see the connection that C.J. Stroud, and Nico Collins have at MetLife Stadium.
1: agree with you. So uh, congrats to Derek Stingley Jr. As far as the injury report goes, John, and we'll see another one later today on Thursday, but the first injury report, I wasn't super shocked or alarmed by anybody that wasn't practicing. It's just a lot of it's several guys who don't practice on Wednesdays. Um, Probably the most noteworthy thing on the injury report is that Dalton Schultz was limited and did practice yesterday with a hamstring injury. As you pointed out, hamstrings usually feel like multiple week things, but if Dalton Schultz is practicing this week, limited. I would guess he's going to be limited each day and then maybe listed as questionable at the end of the week with a hamstring, but it looks like he might play if he's practicing early in the week here.
2: If he could, that would give him a kind of a two-headed monster at tight end because Brevin Jordan showed what he was capable of against the Broncos while Schultz was out, but man, he would make a big difference. It's still amazing to me that Stroud had the kind of game he had without Tankdale, Dalton Schultz, uh, Robert Woods and Noah Brown catching a pass.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a heavy dosage of Nico and uh, protecting the football, obviously too, was a big deal in that game. You know, you don't throw any picks. He was lucky enough to have Dario Gumbawale fall on the one fumble that he had. So that was, that was good too. Um, John, the other thing injury report wise, who's not on the injury report because he's still on injured reserve is Kaimi Fairbairn who the, the rumor mill last week had suggested that, This would be the last we'd see of Matt Amendola and Kaimi. The Texans would use their final return from IR that they have available to them. You get eight for the whole season. They've used seven of them so far. They would use the eighth one on Kaimi Fairbairn. They still could, I suppose, but there's been no news with Kaimi Fairbairn that I've seen this week. I looked at the Texans' website this morning before you and I started recording. He's still listed on their website as being on IR. What do Do you have any expectations here as to when or if we're going to see kymie fairbairn this weekend possibly yeah, we're
2: not going to see him in this game i can't he'd have to be out there practicing because he need. when you missed as much time as he has yeah and everything is so delicate with the operation of kicking yeah. uh, he would have to be out there so no i don't expect him back Amendola had three field goals in a victory over denver i think they're comfortable with him even though he missed from 50 and 58 yards in the in the previous loss to jacksonville but fairbairn's got to be a hundred percent we're not talking about a hamstring or calf or anything like that we're talking about a quad on the front of his leg and i can't wait till he comes back and we can ask him how the heck did you get hurt on a 50-yard field goal when you're high and everybody walking off the field but uh <laughs> maybe maybe they'll have him next week you know they need him they're on the road you know he's a really good kicker he was having a tremendous season and uh they need him back sooner rather than later. That's for sure.
1: Well, John, it looked like on that, to go back to the game, he got hurt whenever that was. It looked like the following kickoff is when he got hurt. Because you could see, if you saw the all-22 view of it, he kicked off and then he didn't even run down the field. He immediately started looking at the ground. Like something So well, then that's happened. it. That's it yeah. on the kickoff. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So I think it happened on the kickoff. Um, all right. So that's our news and notes, front page news uh, for the Texans this week. Um, and they've been getting a lot of attention. Yeah.
2: One other thing, I wanted as someone who was heavily involved in the 50th anniversary of the Lombardi Award, thank think mm-hmm. Will Anderson Jr., who won it last year, and it was weird. After he won it, I was on the head table to make a presentation, and I went over to him, and I interviewed him about Bryce Young because I thought Bryce Young was going to end up in Houston. And, uh, and he was great talking about Bryce, but he came last night. He announced the winner, to 250 defensive end from UCLA, and it was a great event. So everybody was fired up. Will got a standing ovation, of course, when he came out because people are so appreciative of what the Texans are doing, especially what Will Anderson is doing. And now I notice he's in second and he's closing on Jalen Carter. If he has a game in in MetLife Stadium, Sean, and you know this because you're from up there, that if he has that kind of game, Then he's going to get a lot of attention from a lot of voters in the New York, New Jersey area. Be the best thing that happened to him. By the way, Joe Alt said, "Thank you for being a fan."
1: (laughs) Did he? Thank you, John. I appreciate you. He did when I asked you.
2: When I I meant to get a video, and uh, because I hosted a luncheon on uh, Wednesday where I spent 30 minutes interviewing the four candidates for a group of sponsors. And yeah. they were a lot of fun. And I meant to get an interview with him saying, Hey, Sean, thank you for being a fan. And I, <laughs> I just
1: forgot. That's so funny. yeah, he said it. Well, so Nick Casario knows how I feel about Joe Alt. just so you know, that, that's <laughs> my annual tradition. Now I was texting with Nick within the last couple of weeks and I warned him that, uh, that uh, I'm, I've been formulating my Notre Dame big board. It was Kyle Hamilton, Two years ago, I forget who it was. Last year, it was Kyle Hamilton in the Kenyon Green year, and I, f- I can't remember who it was last year for Notre Dame. Um, but Joe all, yeah, he's he's going to be a high pick. He won't be there when the Cleveland Browns first round pick no, that the Texas. He'll uh, uh, be out. the
2: second offensive tackle taken, and whenever somebody needs a second tackle, he's gone.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely.